This episode of Doug's Open Mic is brought to you by Mystic River Acupuncture, ancient medicine for a modern world. For over 30 years, Mystic River Acupuncture has specialized in helping musicians deal with the aches and pains that come from constant repeated motion. For more information, check out mysticriveracupuncture.com. Perks and Corks is located in the heart of downtown Westerly, the home of incredible live music six nights a week and world-famous martinis. Want to get from the couch to the stage, as Doug always says? Check out Perks Open Mic Night every Monday. For more information, go to perksandcorks.com. Are you looking for great food at unbelievable prices? Check out Boneyard Barbecue in Ashaway. Whether you're looking for a fun night out, family-friendly entertainment, or a beautiful venue to host your next event, Boneyard Barbecue has everything you can ask for. Find them on Facebook at Boneyard Barbecue. Welcome to Doug's Open Mic, a podcast spotlighting local musicians, bands, and songwriters. Hi there, everybody. D.U.G. here with another episode. For this episode, we have the DeAngelis's, plural. We have Mr. DeAngelis. We're going to call him Mr. D because he's actually David DeAngelis Jr. But we also have his son here, which we'll call Dave, because even though he's younger, he's not the junior. So it's Mr. D and Dave. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I can't believe how well you just explained that. It's very confusing if sometimes. Mark, if Mark Douglas Berardo listens to the beginning of this podcast, he is going to feel very, very hurt. That he you, is. <laughs> and Glenn Kenzia and all of the... This is amazing. You did... So, I, just, I want to just t- take a second to applaud Doug for how well he explained that. That was great. Well, we've I, known I, each other for a, a few years. Yeah, but I'm... I'm do have a little bit of a problem with the whole naming thing on a, <laughs> on occasion. <laughs> Tell me about it. We did when we named him. Yeah. We thought we were solving the problem by giving him a different middle name, and everybody would not confuse us because I'm a junior, and we, my dad and I got confused with our mail, with our banking, and it's just the same thing as if oh, I he can't was imagine. A, I would have loved to have called Dave Trey though. The that third. Would, yeah, if he, yeah, was the, you he, go, if he was the third, I would have called him Trey. <laughs> Trey DeAngelis. <laughs> or <a> D3. <laughs> D3, yeah, there we D3, go. D3, the mighty, mighty Dex. <laughs> okay, babe, so uh, this episode's going to be a little different than what we've been doing. Explain the deal. Uh, okay, um, so we're going to all right well, we're going to do this now um we are going to have the interview with the deangelises we also did a little snippet uh with your grandson Braden um that we're going to throw in here and then we're going to have some uh some music um it's not going to be live music but we have some music that's uh sort of um in the vein of of this so it's a little uh christmas special a little christmas special a little Doug's open mic christmas special yeah this Merry is being recorded everybody. Merry Christmas. Yeah, this is being recorded in November, but we're planning to put it out. Right now, the plan is Christmas Eve. Hopefully, that will come to pass. I don't see why it wouldn't. How Christmassy will that be? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Mr. D, um, obviously, you're the, you're the main subject of this interview. Um, you were the uh, music teacher, choral teacher. Uh, theater director at Westerly High School for 35 years. Uh, 33. Thir- just uh, right, 33 years. 
um, just shy of thirty five, and uh, and you you taught for you taught for thirty five years total is at that Westerly. Okay, I had taught a year before that at a Catholic regional school in Providence, and then before that, when I got out of college, I was subbing for a um, while. So why, uh, you know, obviously we talk to a lot of local musicians and um, some of the younger ones, a lot of the younger ones that are from Westerly that we've spoken to and will speak to uh, came through your school, you know. Um, I always thought that there were kind of two two uh, camps that were turning out people with a big love of music in Westerly. The Westerly High School Theater Scrapbook Company and the course of Westerly. Um, so what what led you to wanting to pursue a career in uh, music education? Um, I've been musical all my life, even when I was young. Uh, my parents, I don't have a lot of recollection of this, but when I was young and I went to elementary school and uh, a preschool in our neighborhood, I um, would come home and I would sing for my parents and sing for my grandparents. I was the first of the grandchildren on um, my mom's side. So I was quite the entertainer in the day when I was young. And then when I went to elementary school and I had the opportunity to join chorus, I was automatically drawn to it and drawn to singing. And then when we were offered the opportunity to play instruments and had that demonstration or I forgot how they did it in those days um, I signed up immediately and I signed up for clarinet and I managed to stay with that I know a lot of kids usually bounce around from one instrument to the other until they get the one they wanted but I fell in love with the clarinet at a young age and so I did band and chorus starting in elementary school whatever grade that that was um, I'll never forget uh, we did a chorus concert when I was in sixth grade, right before I went to middle school, and we did uh, selections from Sound of Music, and I was asked to sing a duet with this girl that was in my class. That, Honest to God, I it seems like she was nine feet tall, <laughs> and I was little pudgy, little round kid and short, and my mother took a picture of us, I think it was a Polaroid in those days, and it's just hysterical to see us dressed up in co- I was in costume, she was in costume I had the lederhosen, the little hat, and oh, the man. knee socks it was quite the get up and I did a duet and that was my first of the days when I started to do um, uh, solo stuff, singing and then I went to middle school and I continued and then I joined the drama club in middle school because they offered that not a musical club but it was just strictly theater and drama and um and then i we moved to smithfield and i went to smithfield high school and unfortunately we moved in the summer and my mother brought me in in the middle of the summer and there were no guidance counselors nobody there to advise nobody there to help with the selection of courses except for the secretaries in the office if you can believe that and they're the ones that helped me choose my classes for the year and um, when I think of that today, it's like in- incredible that that went on. But I never got chorus or band right away, and I was very out of sorts, and I was just very jealous. And I made friends with a kid down the street that um, 
was coming to school the very first day of school when we walked to the buses and he had this little case in his hand and it looked like a clarinet case that I recognized. And I got up the nerve to ask him and he said, yeah. I said, are you in the band? He says, yeah. I said, oh boy. I said, I play clarinet. I said, I would really love to do that. He said, oh, you don't sign up? I said, no, I didn't have that opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, the school had already started. And in those days, you didn't just say, you know, I want to take and switch my classes. My parents weren't those kind of parents that went in and did that. So I went through the whole first semester, you know, being very jealous and envious of the kids that were doing those kind of things. And I managed to change my schedule around. So the second semester, I managed to get it because I talked to my guidance counselor and really stressed the music issue. And then from there, it was just history, as they say. I, I joined chorus. I auditioned for Chamber Singers, which was a select group. I was in the uh, Music Honor Society we had started. I got into. The, I was in the band. We did a marching band. We we started in those days. It was not really something our school did, but they, we got into it. The whole thing with the uniforms and that, and I got very involved in the music department. Very involved in the. Uh, we used to do Gilbert and Sullivan operettas at our school, and then from there it was just took off. I started my own theater company when I graduated high school in 75, and I've just been uh, doing it. And I, my mentor that I really kind of modeled things after when, in my life and in my career was my high school music teacher. See? There it is again. Every, 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 I've mentioned this on podcasts that so often we come up to that. And when we say, you know, what's your initial you know, musical influences? High school music teachers come up all the time, all the time. That's my story, and I, um, I, I, I modeled and fashioned a lot of what I did based on what he did and what we had in our school, which was a very, very strong music department, strong parents, um, very, very talented and, and top-of-the-line teachers. And our school was one of the better schools in the state that, that was always envied by others. Um, it was Oz and it was Cranston East. We were like the two rivals as far as, you know, quality music departments go. And so I, st- I started my choir. I pulled out a lot of repertoire that we did in high school. And I used that with my first kids in, in school. I, um, I modeled uh, the select group after school. I was more into Broadway theater than Gilbert and Sullivan which I found was a special, unique taste for that and a unique um, individual and a different quality of performer. And I wasn't really ready to attempt that at Wesley because it was a program that hadn't been around for a while when I got there. And so I started a theater scrapbook based on my experiences when I was starting my master's program in New York and that was one of the classes we took, which was called Scrapbook Theater. And we did, uh, it was basically, you do a, like a cabaret of a selection of songs, and we performed it in different venues. And they were trying to give us a, a, a different style of theater to, to use. And we were doing it like in a black, black box theater and the different choices of of setups and staging that you can use in that setup as opposed to a traditional proscenium performance. So that's how I modeled my my program at Westerly after 
Mm. Um, after the first year that I started my master's, but uh, so this is important. We got to go back though. Do we still have the picture of you and Lederhosen? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I believe we have it in a scrapbook somewhere. Or my well, mom. That, we it's... need. We Ben and I need that. Yes, to put on the uh, YouTube post when we put this. The local historian, you have to go to my wife for that. She's the one, the keeper of the of the archives. No, we need that. Uh, when, we, when we have our picture of our, our guest. Speaking of, oh, no. uh, speaking of archives, you have um, you kept scrapbooks of, like, you, you kept literal scrapbooks of all of your productions. Oh, my God. I have such an extensive collection that my daughter thinks I should burn. And oh, I no. had pictures and framed things <laughs> that when I left school, it was like, literally, seriously, that I could have started a museum or a gallery with everything that I have is for memorabilia. I was, I'm big into the memorabilia. I have framed posters of the shows signed, framed posters plain. I have Don't pictures. get rid of that. Stuff. I have Do not. tons of pictures of the cast framed, color, huge, big pictures that were matted and framed professionally that were lining the walls of my classroom and in my office especially. I take, I took everything off the walls and I put all kinds of nails into the cinder blocks and hung everything that I could, citations, governor's uh, proclamations, town council proclamations. And then I had professional photographers come and photograph performances and dress rehearsals and backstage moments and put uh, tons of uh, photo albums together of that because I, be- I believe that that videos in those days videotapes and D- you know DVDs and scrapbooks and photo albums were the only memories that we could have of the actual productions or things that we could show other people that we could say this is what we did and i would keep a scrapbook of every single thing that transpired from the time i began the show until the time we ended the cast party tickets saved tickets saved programs saved newspaper clippings school newspaper articles or uh ads in the paper um notes and letters from people in the in the community uh cards that i received um uh anything that came you know as a result of that show um that i put it into a scrapbook and then i had a woman at the middle school that was into um she was responsible she was one of the uh, the aides at the time and she was in charge of using the um uh the machine that did uh, the laminating machine. And so she would take all of my memorabilia that I had a huge envelope and a huge folder full and I, she would organize it and she would uh, laminate all of these and put them on pages with, uh, you know, colored paper pages and then she would bind it. And so I had at certain points in the time that I did it, I have several years where I have like a bound uh, memorabilia that you can flip through of all these items and things. Just so, a thought. 
the Wesley Library might be interested in some of that stuff. I mean, it, it's kind of historical, you know. I mean, they do they do keep some of that stuff. I am stuff. looking to save it yeah. so that my daughter doesn't end up Yo, toss, don't let her tossing it on us. Antonella, stay away from that stuff. We have things in crates and bins. My wife did a great job of of storing it all for me because um, we didn't want it to get damaged downstairs, and we also didn't want it to, you know, get get damp and musty and mildewy and but a lot of the unfortunately a lot of the framed things that i had saved we ended up tossing and um one of the former students that was in a lot of the productions lives locally and she came by that morning and she took a lot of things that she knew that she could pass on or that she wanted to keep for her own for her own benefit of things that she was involved in that had pictures of her in it. Cabaret pictures with the casts, individual headshot. I mean, you name it. So my older daughter was in a number of your plays. Absolutely. She yeah. was one of the, the, the breakout stars from, uh, from the shows when she, once she got involved. And yeah, I found out her, yep. her love and interest in her abilities. So you made a CD a few years back and uh, we're going to go to a track of that right now um, so that we can, uh, you know, get a glimpse of your, your singing voice and your prowess and all of that stuff. So we'll be right back after this song.
Okay, so we just listened to that song. So something I learned today, which I didn't know, is that Mr. D, the older one, is made a CD many years ago. So tell me about it. Yeah, um, uh, tw- it'd be 20 years now, or actually 21 years this past summer that I recorded it. Um, I was in a funk about my performing and the fact that I was doing so much for the kids at school and I was doing a lot of... Um, directing and teaching and directing groups and I wanted to do more of my own performing like I did when I was younger like I did when I was in high school and in college and um, when I uh, did Gilbert and Sullivan when I uh, performed did a lot of singing at church and I wanted to do something for myself so I went and signed up for the Chorus of Westerly several times and never completed full years because I just got so busy with my schedule at school and their hours were crazy and didn't mesh with my hours at school because they were rehearsing late and I just could not stay awake at night to manage to get to rehearsals and then get up in the morning. So I did a little stint with them singing, but I still wanted to do something for myself and I always wanted to to record a CD. You know, like you hear all these professionals and you see all these professional recordings that come out. So about 40 years ago, I um, decided I was going to do that. The kids were young in that in those days, and um, I knew it was going to be an expense that we were going to have to... 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Not 40. Not 40. <laughs> 20. I was in my 20. 40s. But wasn't it uh, an anniversary of your college recital? No. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> no, but I had done no. a... Continue. Uh, I had, I'll sorry. put the mic back. Uh, go, I, had modeled, <laughs> I had modeled it after my college I was, recital. I was young, I don't know. What I did, though, you're right, Dave, I took songs from my childhood that I had sung from my high school days and college days, like a song that I did in a Gilbert and Sullivan, um, a songs that I did when I studied voice at uh, Rhode Island College, um, a songs that I sung in church, um, favorite songs that a song my grandmother loved that I sang, um, things that I used to sing at weddings. And so I put this and songs from different cabarets and different Broadway shows that I fell in love with, um, that I wanted to include. So I gathered up and I, I, what I did was I started to try to investigate and plan and see if this was going to ever become a, be able to become a reality. So I asked, uh, Local uh, guy downtown, God rest his soul, young David Negrelli at the time. Okay. Um, talented, yeah. talented young yeah. guy, a lot of promise, died so tragically, way too young in his life. His parents set up a, Hal helped him to set up a full uh, recording studio down in the basement behind, underneath Negrelli's jewelry, and he lived up above the store, and all he had to do was come downstairs and he had a full studio with rooms to record in, with a big main room for big groups, big bands, and then a studio area where he had his mixing board and all his equipment. And uh, I approached him, and he was so thrilled. I had had him in school. Yep. He was a little itchy and a little uh, hyperactive in the time, but um, I enjoyed David, and he was very talented. And he was a free spirit. He wanted to do his own thing. And he went into the jewelry business, but he also kept doing his music on the side. So 
he had a lot of experience and he had a lot of interest in recording. So he had all the equipment and he knew what he was doing and he knew how to record and mix. And so I approached him about, and he was in the business of, of doing that. And I would go into the Jewish store quite often and uh, he would say, you know, anytime you're ready, Mr. D, I've got a, I've got a studio, you know, I'd like to help you record. So I kept that in the back of my mind. And so I contacted him and then he gave me a name of some people that he uses or, or his, his, um, people that he, his clients, his people that recorded used to produce the actual, make copies of it and the CD and the jackets and the case. So I got in touch with this guy in the South and I, he walked me through the process and the cost and, you know the things that had to be done, and then, um, and then I just for kicks, you know, for giggles, I just put a list together of what I thought I would use for songs, and how I would lay it out, and then I thought I would have a, a like a recital. I would have a release party. Yeah, but ab- it would be absolutely. It would be a performance of the actual CD. Yep. And then I would have the CDs available for sale, and then I of course looked into places that. I thought would be, you know, that would sell them for me. Like and of Looney course, Tunes, maybe? And in those days, Looney <laughs> Tunes, my good friend Nate, um, that was in high school with my wife, and they were in the same homeroom together, and they were also um, from the same neighborhood. Uh, he offered, and they were having locals sell their um, CDs in a certain area uh, in the store, and um, he had a very small commission whatever he sold. So I said, yeah, I would do that. You know, I thought about that. And then Negrelli's, of course, said they would sell it for me. So I just, you know, through all my theater stuff and my contacts and connections and my knowledge of what to do to put a show together, I basically, you know, modeled that after doing a show and just doing my own show, solo show, and, you know, what that would be like and printing programs, printing invitations, advertising, printing, um, you know, going through the process of putting the CD together, the recording, and setting up a you know, recording dates and setting up rehearsal and all that. So I thought I would do it in the summer when I have a lot of free time when I'm out of school and I would have the time to put more time into the practice because I knew I was going to need to put a lot of time into practice. Most of the things I knew I were songs I had known and had sung before and I would just have to polish up and work on and hopefully try to memorize, which as my kids will tell you, that I'm terrible at. And I'm good at I'm good at making up lyrics or good at, you know, doing blah 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 or la la la. But um as far as remembering lyrics, uh of course I'm older now so I've gotten worse. But in those days I was having I had a lot of trouble remembering, you know, the lyrics, even though I'd sung the songs, you know, numerous times. So I thought I would try to memorize it for the recital. And then I would also coordinate a like I said, a recital release party and a place to do that and in those days everybody used the live public library yep and we were having we had a uh, i had started the honor society just like we had in high school at the school and we used to do recitals prior to that the students performing in the solo and ensemble com- competition at rhode island college which was a a thing that the rhode island music educators association which i belong to did every spring and they would go in a room and they would sing for a solo, uh, a, perf- a judge, 
and they would get graded on a certain criteria, and depending on their grade level that they received, A, B, or C, they would receive certain medals yeah. for their ratings. So before this day, where it was a very high-pressured and very you know nervous kind of situation for the kids, I would get them into you know having like a dress rehearsal kind of thing, and we would do our own local um, recital where all the kids would dress up Oh. Their finest, you know, Sunday Sunday outfits, you know, f- holiday outfits, and they would we would perform in the library downtown on the second floor. They used to have a, a library. The library used to have an auditorium set up, auditorium style with a little stage, and they had a beautiful grand piano on it that they used to have. Uh, a lot of local uh, teachers used to do their recitals there. So we did a recital every year uh, in the middle of the week. We had a very nice reception the parents did outside the auditorium on the top of there, that little landing, that we would have a little reception for the kids. And we had a printed program, and they would prepare and memorize their pieces, and they would try it out on the parents and family and friends. And it was free and open to the public. And then this way they would be ready to go for that Saturday morning when they had to go to Rick. And so I remembered that, and I said, I'm going to do my recital there. So I contacted the library and planned the date. And, of course, I planned it for August at the end of the summer when I figured I would have had enough time to finish the recording and to get it produced and copied and printed and all of that. So I would release it in in August right before school started and have the recital that day with a nice fancy reception, etc. So um, I put the song list together. I had it divided into two acts, which basically I I put divided the CD in half, and of course I had I tried to get the timing of each of the pieces. I had it was a process because I had to go through the songs and find out which ones were copyrighted, which ones were not copyrighted, getting permission, and I had a great education into all of that and the background that you have to do and what you have to do to perform these and to record these songs. There are certain things, and the recording company will not record or make copies of your recording, and neither will the guy, you know, the people that are recording it, unless you have permission to perform these songs and unless you pay a royalty. And of course, with all these big performances and these big singers and these big groups, when they get the royalties, they're, they're paying like a minimal amount per song. Per CD, but when they when you think of the amount of copies that they're making, yep. that's when the big bucks comes in. But I was not making hundreds and and thousands of copies. I was literally making like a few hundred, so it wasn't a great expense. But still, I had to go through the process. I had to go through the application process, and the hardest thing that I found was the Disney material. Oh yeah, of course. Disney has the most unbelievable, and this was 20 years ago, and I can't imagine what it's now, but they had the most unbelievable and incredible criteria for performing. You could not perform these for a profit. You could not perform these with a costume that wasn't licensed by Disney. They really regarded, as I know they still do today, their name very, very, very highly and and they protect that name so much with all the people out there and they make sure that they 
their name is not besmirched in any way and that they're also given credit in every way for anything that's performed. So the few songs that I did that were from certain uh, Broadway musicals um, that were Disney uh, copyrighted, I had a, a higher, you know, intense or much more intense um, process to go through than most of the others. And there were a couple that the, composer, the composers were dead, so it, there was nothing involved at all. Actually, was a public, lot of copyright, the composers are going to be dead literally a hundred years. Right. <laughs> right. So you, um, so you, uh, you had one song on there that uh, was written for you in college, um, and I want to play that in a second. Um, so can you get just for a, for a second, give me a little introduction to uh, Larger Than Life? Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Uh, it has to be my one of my favorite songs of all time. This was written for me uh, back in the 80s when I was in the, the NYU um, summer musical theater program for my master's. And we were the, the group of us that were there for that uh, that period of time. We were involved in this cabaret uh, scrapbook kind of thing that was a, a medley of different songs from different places and different genres. It had no particular, uh, you know, it wasn't one particular show. It was sh- songs from different musicals. And this one gentleman that was in the program was a songwriter and um, young at the time, Ira and Tellis, and I'm still friends with him to this day. And um, he was in the program. He's from New York. And he was a writer, and he said, after meeting me and hearing me perform at the audition, he wrote a song for me to sing in this performance. Oh, cool. And I still have the handwritten copy that he made of this with chicken scratch notes at the time. This was pre-computer programming, pre-computer music you know, days, and I sang it in this performance, and it was literally something that brought me to tears still brings me to tears even now and um I struggled to wait all my life and even though the song doesn't refer to that just the name of the song larger than life you know takes on so many different meanings but for me it had a double meaning so it was even more personal so um I, I it's just a uh, a favorite of mine and I love I don't get to sing it often anymore but I did in the time well, let's let's go to it right now. Uh, we'll be right back with uh, a little bit more in one last segment. Uh, so we'll be right back after uh, Larger Than Life. I watch as days are passing, melting one into another, losing all their special meaning as they go. They leave me only memories of time gone by No real special high to give my life a reason why And life goes by fleeting by The everyday of living doesn't offer me a promise Doesn't hold out any answers I can Searching everywhere without success 
some happiness to give my life a reason why and so I cry so I cry I'm desperate to be larger than life hungry to be larger than life hoping out there I can find a key that works for me and makes me Okay, we're back. That was a great little song. I love the little personal aside that Mr. D gave to us. Um, ben, you had a question. Yeah. Uh, so you obviously uh, throughout the over 30 years teaching and uh, directing and all of that stuff, you had a lot of students, um, probably way more than you can count, uh, come through your doors and, and learn and everything. And uh I just wanted to know a little bit about what you're doing now and about uh, your two probably most prized uh, people that ever came through your theater, uh, your two kids who both have grown up to, uh, you know, live and work in music. Um, so you can take that any way you want. But uh, if I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about Dave and Antonella a little bit about what you're doing now. Well, um, unfortunately, because of health issues, I'm not doing very much um, these days music-related, which really um, upsets me. And um, I, I did this so much I want to do, but I'm, I'm not able to do. Uh, I am still teaching. I don't have my studio downtown anymore, but um, I do have one one student here that I have, and I enjoy that. I do enjoy private teaching. I do enjoy singing, although my voice is not as strong because I haven't practiced and I haven't been using it like I used to. I'm not doing a church gig anymore. So um, 
basically these days I'm just spending time with my wife and my family, relaxing and enjoying and trying to stay healthy. And uh, I love to listen to music as often as possible. And um, any opportunity I get to perform uh, many times at the dinner table when uh, <laughs> we bring up lyrics or out when we're out places and we hear something, we'll all burst into song, which is a, a favorite thing of my wife's. But, um, yeah, t- uh, my children are my most prized possessions as far as um, instilling and passing on the genes and the baton um, with their music and all of the music that they have picked up. And my goal was never to push it on them and never to force them and never to make them feel like that they were obligated to do it. And I really hope to this day that they can say that they've done it because they had a love of it and because I I instilled that in them. And I never pushed them. I never forced them to go to things. But I always would bring them and support them in anything that they did. And anything they did, I would insist that they finish it or go to a certain point and carry it through um, and so that they could say that they made a good concerted effort before they gave it up. And um, we, they did many, many things musical, but the, the, one of the best things that they ever did, or one of, the, one of the best things was to perform in the Chorus of Westerly for um, seven and eight years, each of them. And um, it was such a joy and in a very emotional time for me to go to, we of course bought season tickets and we were excellent supporters and parent supporters and we would go to every concert and we would go every season to see the entire season and my kids had more opportunities to do major works by major composers than I ever did in my four years in college. We only did one major work a semester and they would do like more than two, and not to mention all the other choral pieces that they performed during the year. So that was a great experience. George Kent was a master, and he he really helped develop their singing abilities and their musicianship. But um, my son came to church with me at a young age, and I said he was singing around the house, and he was singing with me, and he would sing at church, um, you know, when he went to church, and he would sing the hymns, and I just loved his little treble voice. And I said to him, I think this was around the same, around the same time that he started doing Chorus of West. I said, why don't you, would you like to sing at church? Because he was always a performer around the house. And he loved to listen to his videos and perform, even at a younger age. So he said, yeah, he was up for everything and anything. So we started that. And he would perform at uh, communion time, one song, until he grew older. And then he would end up, taking over and doing the whole mass every week and then soloing on his own and doing funerals and weddings. And, you know, so, I mean, that was a great big part of his, of his background and his training, but also to have them in, actually involved in the productions at the school was something that I insisted on doing mainly because I wanted it to be a more community type effort where the people that were playing the roles were much more believable in the parts that they played, and also to get um, to make it more so that the kids could interact with the with the faculty and the staff and the adults in the school. And I had seen this done in middle school, 
when I was in middle school, we went on a field, again, influenced by things that I had grown up with and I had seen. When we were in the choir in the middle school in Providence, we had the opportunity to go to Oliver Hazard Perry, which was a good school in those days, and they did a musical every year. And they did the musical Oliver. And I was enamored and in awe when we went on a field trip and saw this full production with an orchestra perform in this middle school. And the neat thing that I loved about it and I never, ever forgot was that they had adults, faculty members, that played the adult roles. And it was incredible. And I just never forgot that. And I was determined. That was in the back of my brain. And I said I was going to be the one to do that at Westerly at some point. And also there was a time when I was nervous about getting kids involved in the show, especially young boys. And I tried to think of ways to involve more people and to get more of a build, build up a cast. So I decided to open it up to staff members and to adults. And staff members were also, some of them were parents of kids that were in the show, et cetera. Et cetera. You know, it was like a double-edged, it was kind of like an overlapping of, of their roles. So it was still school community. And then when there were certain shows that we did that required young children, I would always reach out to the kids in the middle school at the young age to come and audition for the young roles for, like, say, Christmas Carol, for um, certain musicals that had little kids involved, as opposed to having a high schooler play, you know, that young role. And um, I tried to do it in a fair way so that they weren't taking away roles from, you know, high school students, if we had a high school student that, you know, could play the roles. So I decided to bring my kids on board and some of the musicals that we did that we used a lot of kids involved, of course, because I was trying to build the program and I was trying to build a, a, a feeder group for my program when, I, when it came high school time so that these kids, as they performed through their you know, school age years, by the time they got to the high school, they would hopefully be involved in a more active full-time role. And uh, they had already had had that experience. So I started to bring my kids on board, but also because I didn't want to be that kind of director or parent or teacher that spent all their time at school and was neglecting my family at home. Because to me, family came first. My wife and my kids were my first priority in my life. And then my, once, I, once I fell in love, got married, had a family, my school and my job did not become my number one priority and was not my life. I used to live for school, and that's it. And my school was my life. So I put that in a second position, and my family was first, so I tried to think of ways that I could do things that would incorporate my the, my family being involved where it would not take away from me being away from the house. So I said, well, get the kids involved in the shows, doing Christmas Carol, get them involved in the chorus or, you know, small little chorus roles or, you know, young children roles, 
And this way they're involved in the cast. They have to come to rehearsals. <laughs> that gets my wife involved. So she has to bring them back and forth. Right. Now she is, yeah, she has she, to be involved. She has yeah. to be involved, yeah. which she didn't always particularly feel, you know, that she wanted to do at times. And then um, when they got older and they were, it was old, it was all right for them to stay out a little later, then I would bring them back and forth. So then she got out of having to come to rehearsals. And of course, she was very much into the. She's into the party planning and the cooking and the catering and the, the entertaining end of things. So she would always do the cast parties or the uh, dinners or the the dress rehearsal luncheons or whatever for the cast and the and the crew and the orchestra when we got more involved in things. And um, so that's so I brought the kids on board and they just flourished in that in that genre and they really learned to love musical theater and their talents just uh, be, with all the other things that they were involved in other experiences they just really soared musically so that's my story it's a story I still remember Dave do, in Guys and Dolls sit down don't rock the boat remember that vividly <laughs> he killed it he killed it that was an opportunity that dad had to come to Charaho to, to direct uh, Ironically, it was my senior show at Cherry that he got yeah. to direct. Yeah, I was very fortunate to have directed that um, four times. Yeah, Twice in yeah. Westerly yeah. and uh, once with my own theater company at home in the summer in 73, I think. And then again at Cherry I ended up doing it in Cherry I think it's a great musical for high school kids. It's got a lot of different roles for different people. Um, it's heavy on the male roles, but... Um, Dave was so excited to be involved in it, and um, he just really soared with that role as um, Benny South. Uh, nicely, nicely. Nicely, nicely, Johnson. Dave, and is I'm that gonna... video still up on YouTube? Yes. All right, we're going to post on the Doug's Open Mic uh, Facebook page, we're going to post the video uh, from that performance 12 years ago. Ah, Cause check it's, it out. Because we have it. So check it not? out. You know? I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, so, Mr. D, where uh, are you taking students? If people are looking to to um, if if people were looking to uh, get taught uh, voice um, privately, or are you still accepting new students? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm teaching them privately, voice, piano, and guitar. I don't have any other. Uh, I don't have many student. I don't have any students right now, except for this one girl that just started. But um, you know, people, kids come and go, adults come and go. Things change in their lives, but um, yeah, I have a, a I do piano, I do voice. I can do both. It's you know I can do both in one lesson depending on the age, and then I can start people on guitar. Um, so if anybody's interested, yeah. Yeah, never too early to start the guitar. Never too old. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, never too. Yeah, it's like um, I've had young, real young. Like it's that, amazing. Um, kindergarten young, age, and I've had you know senior. You can do citizens. you know literally three year olds can start playing the guitar. So, and speaking of three year olds uh, that uh, are playing guitar, we're uh, we're about to wrap this up and go into a segment uh, here at the end. Um, Doug with your grandson yep. uh, <laughs> and uh, talking about his recent experience um, uh, going to see Raffi uh, who was a big who was a big deal obviously to, to, to Dave and to the entire D'Angelo's family and everybody got to go 
Uh, so if we can wrap this, even uh, though he does so, happy songs, but Raffy does exclusively happy, <laughs> uh, almost exclusively <laughs> happy songs. Um, so yeah, you guys all got to meet Raffy, and um, we're gonna hear the three-year-old's take on that in a few minutes. Um, but Dave, uh, you were there, Ben. It was a great experience. I was there. It was, it was a very emotional time for my best wife time of and my I. life, and um, it was the the. I have to say the performance was con- unbelievable and outstanding, and it was as if he was doing it back when in the day when we saw him in Providence and we listened to his recordings and his videos. You would never know the difference. His voice hasn't, I, I don't think, has really changed. It did not sound any different, and um, he's in his 70s now. Really? So yeah. he, he was phenomenal. But the best part of that day and that experience was the meet and greet after and the fact that we all... All of us that were there to see him got to go up to him, and we were allowed by his manager, who was the most wonderful, down-to-earth person. In fact, both of them were, and they couldn't have been more warm and more welcoming. Usually you think of performers as being aloof, and especially after they've done a performance, they're exhausted, they're wiped out. That's the last thing they want to do is see more audience, especially young kids that are very you know, fidgety and kind of whiny sometimes and crying and not happy um they he couldn't have been more accommodating and i'm telling you i was watching before they got to go up every single child that went up to him no matter what their attitude was or their or their behavior he managed to reach out to them make them feel calm make them feel relaxed and they did not cry once while he was with them and um, he couldn't, as I said, he couldn't have been more warm to us and, and more accommodating, more welcoming, and more, um, my, I think David and I know Ancella, who didn't really, wasn't really crazy about going because it really wasn't something that she really experienced when she was little because it was too, she was too young in the t- at the time. He was, you know, um, really uh, doing his thing then. But uh, she even enjoyed it. And Dave had a special moment that he got to share but um, it was very obvious from the pictures that he was, you know, I mean, that it was a great thing. You know, you could tell that he wasn't just kind of doing it. It was sterile. And it was like, come on, guys. You could just, like you said, you could just see that warmth and say, hey, thanks for coming by. Thanks for, you know, talking to me. Well, he hugged us. He hugged them. He hugged every one of us individually. Yeah. He hugged us as a group. And he did it more than once. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, okay, I'll do a hug. or right, let's, let's do a quick picture. And he, the other thing that amazed me was that he did not rush us along. He wasn't like, okay, like there's a time limit. Or his person or whoever was standing there taking the pictures with your camera didn't say, okay, now we need to move on. Yeah. He didn't care he made sure that it was enough quality time. In fact, most people, including us, were like trying to get up to get away so that we wouldn't take up a lot of his time. And it was like him that was lingering and letting us yeah. stay and visit. I remember a long time ago, I went to see with Jessica and that thing. We went to see Trans Siberian Orchestra, yeah. and and they had a you know you come by, yeah. but but they said and they they. Anybody who wants to meet, you know, you know, meet them. I mean, they stuck around for an hour after, you know, everybody. They didn't say, you know, go up to the end of the line and say, you know, you know, we're going to do 200 people. And if you're in, the, we're going to count up 200. Okay, you're number 201. See you later. Yeah. They did everybody. Anybody. Anybody. That was at that program. Yep. Wow. That's a lot. It could be a lot of people. It was a lot of people. 
Well, well, be your audience. Also, True Siberian Orchestra is a great uh, Christmas tie-in. Yeah, really. Tie-in right now. I did now. that on purpose. Yeah. No, you didn't. <laughs> uh, and this has been a great Christmas episode. Uh, obviously, it's you know not Christmas when we're recording this, but... Um, it might not be Christmas when you listen to it, but just pretend right. it is. But it'll be Christmas when it comes out, and that's it's what's true. important. And uh, Dave... Um, your dad talked a lot about, uh, you know, you singing in church, um, with him. And, uh, after we go to the quick little interview that we have, uh, with, uh, Doug's grandson, can we, um, would you play us out with, uh, Oh Holy Night? Oh, I was going to say that. Sure. Uh, I got one more thing. Yeah, of course. So, I always do. So, if you go to my um, website, com, I actually have a Patreon page that if you want to support the show. But even more important, I have an option there that you can actually throw a tip to these guys. If you, if you enjoyed the show and you want to send Mr. T the five bucks, I will make sure he gets it. Awesome. Are you sure, Doug? Uh, <laughs> it's true. I, I promise. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. Hi there. We're here with... Allison and Braden for a special holiday edition. Mr. Braden, how are you? I'm good. You're good. That's great. So you're quite the musician, I hear. So I've got some questions for you if you've got some time for me. Do um, we do. We, you have some time? Good. <laughs> no. Good. So first off, yeah. you, you, what instruments do you play? Um, I play All of them. All the instruments? Yeah. <laughs> Every instrument there is? Yeah. What, oh, okay. what instruments do you have? You have a guitar? Every, everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah, but what do you have? Tell them what you have. So, uh, I don't know. I forgot. Okay, you forgot? All right, you have a guitar. I see, I know, because I'm, I'm actually can see some of what you have. You have a guitar. Yeah. You yeah. have a piano. Mm-hmm. You have a ukulele. You what have an accordion. Accordion. You have a violin. 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 All sorts of percussion. And I don't know why it's not going because it doesn't have batteries. Oh, the the violin. The violin violin doesn't have have batteries. I wonder why that is, maybe. Uh, (laughs) Uh, So we got to put batteries in? Yep. Okay. We'll do that soon. So how long have you been playing guitar? When did you start playing? Um, I stopped playing gigs because I was going to do it next week, but I just thought I was going to do one more um, yesterday. So you got some gigs coming up? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yep. Now, you got a guitar. You got your first guitar two Christmases ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and do you remember what you got with that guitar? Probably not, right? Um, No. Who's on your shirt? Baby Baruga. Yeah, that's right. You got a um. Baby was Baruga was on just a second ago. Yeah, you got you got a guitar and a Raffi DVD, right? Yeah. Raffi, I heard that you saw Raffi. Is that true? Yep. It true. is true. <laughs> and I also saw the Beatles. You you're right. You did see the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, the Beatles. You the saw Beatle the Beatles. Beatlemania at Stonington yeah. High School. Okay. So, so make sure you stay up close to the mic. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, how, so which did you like better, the Beatles or Raffi? Beatles. You like the Beatles, yeah. What's your favorite Beatles song? Um, 
I don't know. I want to hold your hand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Don't. 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 Oh, what's your favorite? So since it's the holiday season. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a Christmas song. Yeah. That I think that you know really, really well. Um, it's a Jingle Bells. Oh, yeah, you oh, know yeah. Jingle Bells. Jingle That's bells. right. Well, another what's one? the other one? Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Alley. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Alley. What about how, the Hawaiian one? Yeah, how do, they yeah. Say, how do they say Merry Christmas in Hawaii? I don't know. Yes, you do. Meh. Mawiki Maga. There you go. Yay. So the other talent I heard you had is you're quite the dancer. Is that tr- that's yeah. also true, right? Yeah. I've seen videos of you on YouTube dancing. Oh yeah. When I was at school, I had such good dance moves. Oh yeah. You had some yeah. dance moves. You break yeah. them out. <laughs> I I just thought about the fact that this podcast will be around when he's like fourteen. Yeah. And we can you know oh em- my God. embarrass yes. him a lot. Embarrass him. Like, oh, remember this? Not, not quite as good as uh, naked in the sink, but close. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much. <laughs> um. <laughs> so uh. So who do you play? You've played some gigs, right? You've played out out in town. You've played some concerts. Yeah. Uh. Who, who do you usually play with? Dave. You play with Dave. Okay. Uh, when did you start playing with Dave? And are you going to take over for Mike and Happy in the Moonshine? I don't know. Are you no. going to take over on the keys, on the piano? I don't know. You practice, right? Yeah. How about, you got any CDs in the work? Jingle bell, jingle bell, oh. jingle <laughs> all the way. One's so fine, it's too wide, and one was open side. So, so we got bell. your mom here. How does she help your musical stuff? Does she help you? I don't know. You don't know? Do I help you? Do I encourage you playing music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right. Good. Sometimes I take you to Dave's gigs. Oh, I want chippy. Chippy. There are no <laughs> chips. <laughs> chippy. Three-year-old's minds. Um, chippy. <laughs> All right. Doug, chippy. Do you have more questions? I, I think he's. I think he's kind of covered it. I think. Get anything more to say, Brad? <laughs> Anything coming up that you want people to know about to come see you? No, you're good. All right, maybe you're in a little seclusion for a while. Get the get usually, the songwriting thing. Usually in the summer is when he makes his most appearances at gigs. Oh, okay, in the summertime. Yeah, hibernating a little bit. Look, very cool. What's All your right. favorite song? Um, Jingle Bells. <laughs> oh, Jingle yeah? Bells on the mind today. Yeah. Well, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all way. Once I heard these two lines in one note. He's all right, everybody. He's all right. Once I open say, hey, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all So, Brayden, we're going to end this episode. We're going to end this episode with a special Christmas song from Dave. So, Yay. so can you say Merry Christmas to everybody and uh, say, here's Dave. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You don't want to? Mm-mm. You don't want to say Merry Christmas? Christmas. All right, I will then. I will do it. Merry Christmas to everybody. And here's a song from Dave. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night. Of our dear Savior's birth
Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the Rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices. When Christ was born, oh night divine, oh night, oh night Oh. 